podcast of Conduit Church. We're a community of Christ followers committed to action. We meet in the Thompson Station area just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about what's going on with Conduit here in the Nashville area or around the world, please go to conduitmission.org. John chapter 15, verse 1. And while you're turning there, um, the other night, I was, uh, Friday night, I was, I, I was, so we got a garden, okay? Do you know about the gardens? And it's funny, when I grew up, garden meant a lot of work. And that, like, a lot of you guys around here that I know are gardeners like Cecil and Ada, you know, they're out there working hard and they're growing huge fruit and stuff. I'm more of like a poser gardener. Like I'm like Instagram it, you know, oh, that's cool. I made vegetables. And, and my dad, if he had the Instagram, would be like, son, get back to work. You're wasting time taking pictures of your food. Go out there and make food. But it was Friday. My wife's out of town. I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have a salad. You know, I'm going to try to, you know, take one for the team. I've, I've created food. And so I go to the garden and uh, we get the, we got, uh, it's, it's, we're, we're not very good at gardening, but uh, we got, I had some peppers and cucumbers and carrots and I, and I'm passing by and on the way back, uh, I, I went by the kale that I've been growing for a while. So, you know, it's kale. I've heard it's really healthy. You know, my wife is kept, keeps putting it in the smoothies. And so I, I clipped some of that off. And, and the thing about making a salad from the garden is it's a lot of work. You know what I mean? I'm up there chopping and dicing and like working off a sweat. And so I, I sit down to this salad that I felt like I had conquered. And, uh, and it tasted like um, there was the first bite was so alarming to me. Because we're like pretty, like we're trying to do this whole thing organic and that whole thing. But, uh, but you know, I had to use some Roundup at some point to get rid of some crabgrass I couldn't get rid of. And I thought, well, maybe... Maybe I got some Roundup on the kale because it tasted like that. Now, here's what I didn't know about kale. That's what it tastes like. And we're all sitting around here acting like it doesn't. And so I make, a, I make some little random post on the Facebook about, you know, kale is gross. And, and 122 people, last count, were like, oh, that's so true. And then there's like this thing unfolding, like borderline, it could have been a church split, over the kale lovers and the kale haters. And, and I learned a little something about the kale. And that is that if you batter and fry it, apparently it's delicious. Right? Well, what, like, well everything's delicious if you batter and fry it. And, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to put it with garlic. And somebody actually tells me you got to massage it. Do you know about massaging kale? Has anybody heard of that? Like, that's an option. Like, you got to massage it? Like, you know, on the shoulders? I don't even know. But it was the point where I think I had the epiphany was, oh, so this is like the tofu of green leafy vegetables. It's like a thing if you, you can have tofurkey, toham, to all this. You know, but it's really, the point is that tofu is disgusting. So if you make it taste like something else, then it's suddenly okay. That's what kale is. And so, needless to say, um, I didn't put kale in my salad last night. But as I was in the garden, you're like, Darren, is there a point? There actually is a point. Um, as I was out in the garden this past week, um, again, I'm kind of a poser. Like, I really, I have, I'm an aspirational guy. Like, I really want to be a good gardener. But I gotta, I'm out there looking at it and realizing it kind of got away from me a little bit this year. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like my ambition, I was like, in fact, when I actually tilled the whole thing up, I thought, oh, I should go bigger. I could go huge. And then I didn't, and thank God I didn't, because... Like if we like if you could put weeds on the salad, we would be eaten like kings. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody? I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this before, but it, it definitely got away from me. But even in the middle of it getting away from me, we still did some things okay. Some things we're doing okay. We're growing some peppers out there. I can't quit growing cucumbers. Apparently, they require very little <laughs> because we're like overrun with them. So the horses are loving life right now. But then, like, onions I didn't do very good at, and but yet I did pretty good with tomatoes. And, and it was like, as I was out there, it was like almost like, oh, this is such a metaphor of, like, my spiritual life, which is that I'm doing some things I feel like I'm just doing great. Like, I, okay, I got that down. Tomatoes, cucumbers, we're knocking it out. Onions, not so much. Kale, unfortunately, kale I'm succeeding at. And when you, when you succeed at kale, don't you, aren't you really just failing? You know what I mean? <laughs> at the end of the day. That's really nothing to celebrate, but but as I was diving into that thought process and what it looked like in my life, it was a moment where I looked in John 15 and 16, verse 16, and Jesus said that, you know, he didn't choose, he's talking to his disciples, but it's just like he's talking to us, that I didn't choose you, but, or you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and, and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. These things that I command you, that you love one another. Would you, would you pray with me? Father, as we go into your word this morning, I just ask that you would be present. That your word is a light, it's a lamp. And that for... Any one of us that comes in, we're all on a different path, but we all need illumination. We all need light. We all need direction and wisdom. And I pray that this word from you today will, will bring that kind of illumination and light to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. He said that he chose us to bear fruit. And I think if you've got a King James, it actually says he's ordained you. You know, I appreciate, like, I'm ordained. I have a certificate suitable for framing. There's a tax break with the whole thing. I mean, I'm ordained with the government. They recognize it. But we all, you are, if you are a follower of Jesus, he's ordained you. And he's ordained you and he's ordained me to do, really, to do one primary thing, and that's to bear fruit. And your garden might be like my garden where I'm doing something's really great and something's not so great. And your garden might be, well, I, I, I kind of let that get away from me, that part of it. And I'm still, stuff's still happening. I'm still attached to the, to the branch here, to the vine. But there's some, some stuff that isn't working so well. And if I'm supposed to bear fruit, how and why? And I, and I wanted to answer basically... Three questions this morning that I feel like the Lord is answering, answering present tense in my life, and it might be a glimpse for you as well. And I want to encourage you, if the Lord starts speaking to you, tune me out. Just start writing so you don't forget it. Just know that I'm, you know, I'm a vessel. I'm just here to tell you what I feel like the Lord is saying, but he might say something to you, and don't let me get in the way of that. So you promise me you'll do that this morning? Because I want to answer 
these three questions, but the Lord might have some more he wants to answer for you. I want to answer, how do we bear fruit? What is the fruit we're bearing and why does it matter? Not necessarily in that order. The question really, I think, is the most important one, which is really, why does it even matter? Why would it matter that I'm supposed to bear fruit? Why would it be the one thing that Jesus said that we should do? And I think that the answer is really quite simple, that he says that by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And what did he just say? This is my command, that you love one another. John 14, 15, 16, he says that over and over and over again. This is important, gang, because this this fruit-bearing thing, and in a minute I'm going to answer what I believe fruit is, is important because it's the very thing, the one thing, the only thing that Jesus said, that's how they're going to know that you're my disciple. Now, when I say they, it's really easy to get sort of almost like an ethereal they, right? They, the community, the city, the world, they. But they, if you look to that person next to you, is they. It might be your daughter, your son, your spouse, your, your, your parent, they will know you are my disciple if you have love one for another. And that's so critical to us because if I get that right, then my children will know that I am a disciple of Jesus. Not, listen, I think it's good to to bring up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord to teach them the Scriptures. But the way that they'll know that you're a disciple, that you're a follower of Jesus, is if you have love one for another. For those of you in here that are married, one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is to love your spouse, to, to love your children. And it's important because for me to love my children means that I shouldn't fly off the handle at them all the time. Parents, when you're fighting with each other, they're listening. And this whole all the doors closed, they didn't hear. They're listening. Now, <laughs> you're like, oh, you're stepping on my toes. Parents, if you're just bottling it up inside and you're not d- addressing it, and you know, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and I don't want to, that's also not love. And your children will know that you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, if you have love one for another. And, and it does mean the community. It does mean our church when you're loving each other here. I mean, I'm going to fail you this week. I'm going to fail you probably in five minutes. But for you to love me anyway, to love through that is a sign a, of Jesus being inside of you. If, and it's a sign to the world that Jesus is inside of you. So I want to tell you that I believe it's important, not just because of what it means to the world, I do believe that. It means everything to the world. But we need to draw that home as well and to each other, to your relatives, to your next-door neighbors, to your literal neighbors. You have an opportunity to love them, and by doing that, they'll know that you're a follower of Jesus. Now, that's why I think it's important. The question, of course, is, and I answered it a little bit in it, is what exactly is Fruit. He says, I have called you and I've appointed you to bear much fruit. Fruit that will last. Now, I grew up in a world, and, and if you've used this in this way, I don't necessarily think it's a wrong thing, but like I am not somebody else's fruit. 
I was having a conversation with a guy, a friend, a longtime friend of mine named John Young, who's a pastor in New Jersey today. Ten years ago, he was the, uh, he led an uh, intern program for, I don't know if you're familiar with Dawson McAllister Radio down the road, and he uh, was the leader of this intern group. And I was hanging out in Guatemala, check out the small world, with a guy named Sam Brizuela, who was 10 years ago an intern with John Young. And I met him because I, I served as a chaplain there and I led some Bible studies. But Sam was telling me, man, I just, I, I loved those days. It was two of the most important years of my life because John Young, I learned so much from him. He just really, I could just tell, these were his words, that he really just cared about me, that he really just loved us. I could really tell that. And so John, talking last week, was talking about how he just wanted to build, this is his words, he's moved to New Jersey, he kind of looks at what happened there. It's a little bit of a failure because it ended up for some uh, things that happened beyond John's control. The internship program closed down, and so he's in New Jersey, and he's like, I just want to build something that lasts. So I'm like, John, I just hung out with Sam last week. It lasted. But Sam wasn't the fruit. Listen to me. Sam ate of the fruit that John produced, and now Sam is out there producing fruit. That's fruit that lasts. So if you're loving well, each other loving children, we keep hammering it, but man, loving our kids on every Sunday, those of you that have already invested and those of you that are praying about it, especially now that we're going to two services, you never have to miss a service. You have an opportunity to love our children and to produce fruit that lasts. I believe that fruit you, you don't have to necessarily turn there if you don't want to, since I was very kind and put it on the board for you. The question of what is fruit, the reason I keep calling it love is because that's what Paul called it. When Jesus was talking about fruit that lasts, it was in the context, chapter 14, 15, 16, of the Holy Spirit coming. The Holy Spirit's going to come. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He's, I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm gonna, the Holy Spirit. And in that context, he talks about love one another Paul simplifies it, I think, when he says that the fruit of the Spirit is singular love. He didn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. He said the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. My personal belief is that the fruit singular of the Spirit, singular, is love. That peace, long-suffering, joy is the taste, the feel, the texture, the experience of love. Jesus said, I've called you of all the things that I could call you and appoint you to do, anoint you, ordain you, is to love. And every, he says the whole, all the law and the commandments, it all hangs on love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the reason he really simplified it was, if I love TJ, I'm not going to murder him. I'm not going to steal his stuff because I love him. So he, Jesus like, I appreciate the 10, but I'm going to narrow it down. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to commit adultery with nor against them. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. You're not going to put another God before him because you know it's ridiculous. The idolatry, I'm not going to do that because I love the Lord. And I, I think about that this morning. Of That's what John Young did. 
Now, John Young did a lot of stuff when he was mentoring and leading and all. He woke up every day with his pants on fire trying to get stuff done, raising the money, trying to figure it out. But what he did that lasted was he loved Sam and he loved 28 other kids. And I could, without very much work in my mind, name about 12 of them that I know are still serving the Lord in various ministry capacities in the United States and around the world because John Young loved him well. And if we can love each other well, love our children well, love them, there is a fruit that lasts. Not the people, but the fruit, the love that we give, that they're eating from us, that experience of love is what will not only draw them to repentance, but it maintains them around the world. How do I bear fruit? So this is great, Darren. I know that it's important. And I know what it is. It's to love my neighbor as myself. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And if I do this, then I know that what that does is it it lets my children know, my wife, my parents. And you teenagers, you got little brothers and sisters. When we go out here today, there's going to be little children running around. Don't think for a minute they're not looking at you. Many times they're looking at you more than looking at their parents. That's a big responsibility, a big weight unless you understand how to bear fruit isn't as hard as it sounds. You see, I did some work back in March, April-ish to plant a garden. I did some tilling. And then over the summer, what I what could have been doing was weeding the garden every day. The way that it gets away from you, incidentally, is the same way your spiritual walk gets away from you. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the day off. And then tomorrow, and then, well, I'm going out of town. And next thing you know, you got a 12-hour weed project going on because <laughs> I just let it go. There's a dailiness to the Lord, to your walk with the Lord that has nothing to do with religion because that could be just as much of a weed <laughs> as idolatry or any other sin that can come into our lives because if I just do it out of religion, then all of a sudden it becomes an academic exercise. But if there's a dailiness to it for me, then it's really a recognition that I need him. I really need the gardener in my life. But the point is this, and I I hope if if you don't hear anything else, that, that this maybe will sink in with you. I'm praying that it sinks in with me. In the metaphor that Jesus puts forward here, I'm actually not the gardener. I'm the plant. And the way that I bear fruit, per se, is I let the gardener in, and the gardener comes in and weeds, and the gardener comes in and does the work. But I, my job, he said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. If I were to bring you a cucumber vine this morning and say, congratulations, I'm giving you cucumbers. Here's the vine. And I just hand you that thing. And there might be a cucumber attached to it. By nightfall, it's going to be wrinkled and withered and it's not going to produce. The way that you produce fruit, if you've been around a while, you've heard me say it, it's absolutely worth repeating. If you've driven by Arrington Vineyards lately, you see the beautiful hill and the and you see those grapevines that I actually was a part of planting years and years ago. A friend of ours, it's a little known, uh, started that vineyard, and so they had a planting party 10 or 15 years ago. 
we just planted those little vines. But you drive by there now and you see these vines with giant grapes and branches growing. And what you, here's what you don't see. You never see those vines going, oh, fruit, I'm trying so hard to make it happen. They're not freaking out. They're not stressing out trying to make fruit happen. They're just hanging in there. They're just remaining attached to the vine. Daily, day in and day out. And as they do that over time, it takes years. The promise of transformation in your life wasn't an overnight promise. It's a journey. The promise of salvation is instantaneous, that inside your spirit is made new. You're a new creature. All things are passed away. And then you wake up the next morning and there's this journey of transformation every day, growing a little bit more, sometimes even imperceptibly. But a recognition that if I'm hanging on to the vine, that my branch will produce fruit. And I say that because when you're driving down the road and that dude cuts you off is not the time to try to make fruit. That's the time you see the results of your, whether you're hanging in there or not. It's the time where you see, okay, this branch is doing pretty good, but boy, this one really needs some work. I feel like as a church, you could look at us and say, oh yeah, you're doing great. You guys are loving well and we just sold you all the money we're giving away for Haiti. We got some work in other areas we need to do. I got work in my own life I need to do. But that branch here is doing well, so this branch over here needs it. And the point I'm making, and if you're a teenager, I hope I make this as clear as possible. You don't have to force it or fake it. Eventually, with fake fruit sitting on the counter, they're going to figure it out. The minute they take a bite. And that fruit is so, it's so important, but it's also so easy. Because it doesn't have to be about me figuring it out and working and stressing and straining and freaking out. If tomorrow morning I get up and say, I'm going to abide in you, Jesus, today. I got a 20-minute drive, a 45-minute, some of you guys from Spring Hill, three-hour drive, depending on the traffic. Give it to the Lord. Abide in Him. Live in Him. Stay in Him. And you're going to screw it up tomorrow. Absolutely. Fruit takes time. Give Him you, and the result of that is the fruit. I'm 43 years old. I'm about 30 years into this walk with Jesus. And those of you that know me well know that yeah, I got some stuff to work on. Yeah, you could have reacted a little better to that. My children, who are not here, they're, I'm going to fly down today and meet them up. They're already on vacation. But they could tell you, Daddy does some things good and not so, uh, not so good in the other areas. But what I hope that they would tell you is that we're abiding in Him and that slowly and surely as time has gone on that the fruit that's being produced in us is the same fruit that could be produced in you because you just are abiding in Him. There's a passage of Scripture that 
is fascinating to me that I think that really, in my mind, kind of brings it home. And that's that the purpose for this fruit is so important. The Song of Solomon, chapter 4 and chapter 5. And Song of Solomon has been one of my favorite books since eighth grade. I may or may not have spent time in Song of Solomon while the pastor was preaching, not on Song of Solomon. <laughs> Dude, did you see it said gazelles, man? But there's this fascinating vignette, this picture of the lover and the prince. And, this, and it's a picture of the relationship that Jesus wants with us, this pursuit. But I noticed something that was fascinating to me. The part of it, in chapter 4 is this garden and she's produced this fruit and she wants her, her lover to come to the garden. I've never, I, maybe I should try that with Shannon. I didn't, come to the garden, Shannon. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. Come and eat the fruit and this work that I've done and she wants to present it to him. And chapter 5, verse 1 was really fascinating to me because it says that he came and he, Oh, this is beautiful. And hey, friends, eat up. He brought all of his friends on a date with him. Hey, Shannon, let's, you know, we're going out to our anniversary dinner. And I'm inviting like 10 or 20 of my best buddies. Right? That wouldn't necessarily go over very well, but I think that it should jump out at us that he invited his friends in this picture. If the metaphor is of Jesus, and I believe it is, that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to the garden, to your garden, and I'm inviting all my friends. Because I want him to see the fruit that you have grown. The fruit isn't just for each other, but it's for Jesus. We get to bring that fruit back to him, and he gets to share it with each other, with you. And let me tell you what, when you're being bitten on and gnawed on, it's your opportunity for fruit. You can't, how to say this right? Have your fruit and eat it too. Do you know what I'm saying? Eventually, if you don't eat the fruit, it's just going to simply get all wrinkled up. And your fruit was made to be gnawed on, to be bitten on, to be picked at. And so when you're being picked at, gnawed on, and your head got bit off by somebody, that's an opportunity for your fruit to show the flavor, the texture of long-suffering, of joy, of peace, of contentment against there. There is no law. When my fruit is just sitting on the counter, it's not the opportunity for them to taste it. Being cut off on I-65 is the chance. You could fly a different vine if you know what I'm saying. And again, tomorrow morning, I don't want you to walk into it feeling guilt or shame because what I want you to know is that this is all about a father that loves you, a gardener that he just wants to come into the garden and to work, and to not let it get away from you, to pick away at the, the weeds and to create an atmosphere where you can grow in, and then to allow all of his friends to come in and say, look, this is the fruit that you produced. Isn't it awesome? Isn't it amazing? And you and your fruit, there are times it kind of hurts, but boy, when you look at the look on somebody's face and they, the joy that you brought them, the peace, your children, they're like, oh, man, I was so afraid he was going to bite my head off, and he didn't. So I, there's a relief that you bring in when fruit is being presented in that way. And I want to end with this because you might be saying, hey, Darren, I noticed you skipped something. You skipped the part where he purges us. You skipped the part where he cuts us off. You skipped that part. And I want to present something to you this morning and I want to ask you to pray about it. 
I want you to go Berean on me, Acts 17, where you look at it and say, I don't know, does it really say that? How many of you know that the Bible wasn't originally, if you're a teenager, it was not written in English by a white person? In the language, in the Greek language, when it says that he does not bear fruit, that he takes him away, if you're in the King James, it says purges or he clips off. I've been bloodied and bruised by that verse over the years. Oh, he's going to cut you off and throw you away if you don't get it right. Sounds good on an altar call. But that word takes away in the original language, in the Greek language, it is a word called eiros. And when it says that Jesus lifted up his head in Luke chapter 4, he lifted up, it was Iro. Every time it's translated in any other, in the New Testament, there's I think five or six other times, every time it's lifting up, every time. And the other word that is in there is when it talks about pruning, it's a word called kithairo, where we get our word catharsis. It's a cleaning, a washing. Now listen, this week, my tomatoes, Cecil and I need you to come over and mentor me, by the way, in the garden, but they were all down in the mud this week. They're attached, but they're weighted down overwhelmingly. They're just buried in the mud, and it rained, and they were nasty. And you know what I did? I went down there, and I lifted up that branch out of the mud. I put it back up where it belonged, and I washed it off. And I believe that what Jesus, that promise in the original language, the idea wasn't about cutting you off and throwing you away. It was about lifting you up and washing you off. What is the next verse? Because you're clean. Now you're clean. Abide in me. I in you, a branch cannot. Do you understand? I'm not here to bloody you this morning. Jesus' blood was already shed. I'm here to offer you the washing of the water of the word the washing that the blood of Christ can do for you today. And if you're a parent and you have screwed this up, I've got great news for you. Open the door. Let the gardener in. You can start today. If you're a child, if you're a teenager, and the weight of your shame is on you, and parents are no different, the weight of that shame is on you because you didn't and now I didn't and now it's suddenly it's August and my garden is completely jacked, Just open the gate and let the gardener in today. Abide in Him. Open the Word and just, Lord, speak to me through this. Not because I have to, but because I just, I need to. Because if I just let this go, it doesn't take care of itself. If I let it go, the tomatoes get ruined, the cucumbers get jacked, the onions are terrible, and all I've succeeded at was kale. I'm not even sure where that fits in the metaphor, but I just needed to say it. No, gang, this morning as our our worshipers are coming back, my hope for you this morning, if you're a teenager, if you're an adult, if you're a grandma, you're a grandpa, you're a single parent, you're just a married couple that loves the Lord, today, that you would start today abiding in Him and allowing that love that He's the only thing he called you to do. God just called you to go, appointed you to bear fruit today that you can begin today to abide in him and let that fruit. And look, I promise you, a day from now, a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, you see the results. Let the Father in, and as you abide in him, inviting him into your garden, let him do the pruning, the washing, the lifting up, the cleaning. 
that you might bear fruit. That your king, when he comes, will be able to look and say, hey friends, come on in, you're not going to believe how awesome this is. You can't, with the fruit that this, oh, it's amazing the fruit they're growing. Come on, friends. Maybe that starts at home today. Maybe that starts in your workplace tomorrow morning, on your drive to work. Let the Lord lead you. I don't know what you need to do. I know that He does, and He's wanting to tell you. He wants to, he wants to come into that garden today. He wants to say, hey, I know, great. You're doing awesome on the tomatoes. Congratulations. Wouldn't it be great if you could grow strawberries? Incidentally, I'm not doing very good at it. Wouldn't it be great if you could produce something besides kale? Yes. Invite him in today. Would you close your eyes? Not because there's anything spiritual. I just want you to have an encounter with the Lord. We're going to worship now. We're going to go into his presence. And my hope is that you'll do some business with God today, that you'll invite the farmer into your garden. My hope is that today we are planting the seeds that... A year from now, people will look at this church and say, wow, look at the fruit they're producing. They're amazing. The love that they're showing to each other, the love they're showing to their families, the love they're showing to their children and to the church and to our community. It's amazing. Come look at this fruit. Boy, wouldn't it be, shouldn't it be so simple and so amazing, this walk with the Lord that he's promised us. Father, would you give us insight today? Would you plant those seeds in our heart and allow us to be attached to your son, the branch, and to stop freaking out, to stop trying to work it and make it and fake it and instead just to throw ourselves and attach ourselves. Let us be grafted into your son. Lord, today I know there are areas in my life, there are some weeds that need to be pulled. Would you show me where those are and pull them out for me? Not a behavior modification, but an absolute supernatural transformation. Those areas that maybe have been broken down, would you plug me back into that again? Thank you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.